I'm Toby M. Schreier, an artist and printmaker. I'm Corinne Cunningham, a writer. As siblings growing up together in Seacoast, New England, and now from opposite sides of the Atlantic, we've listened to and supported each other through the ups and downs of our artistic endeavors. We thought you might like to listen in to our conversations about creativity and process. And so we've created this podcast, Ink from the Embers, our musings on the roots and growth of creativity. We hope you enjoy listening in. So we did it. We did it. We we did our retreats uh, together independently. But separately. Yeah, together but separate. We We went in. We did our audio diaries, which our listeners will have listened to by this point. And so I've also listened to your audio diaries and you've listened to mine. Yes. So what stood out to you from listening to the audio diaries? We had very, very, very different retreats. We had very different, I think, expectations of what we each wanted to accomplish. Yes. Um, I was I was struck, I, and I followed along, hopefully some of our listeners followed along on your Instagram account, your, um, your productivity through, which I was so impressed by and listening well, to listening to your audio it was so interesting that we both went into it with different goals mm-hmm. and we were both exhausted by the end yes yes <laughs> even though yours was more productivity based and mine was quiet based really yeah it wasn't productivity based but by the end both having time focused solely on creativity. It is exhausting. It is. It is. No, that is that was something that, that I had noticed too was just, you know, by the end it's just the I'm toast, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm just exhausted. And at one point where you had said it's like, and then I just took a nap. It's like because <laughs> it was it was my last day, but when I was painting the owl, so the morning of my last day, I was right in front of the heater. Oh. So I, I had, like, you know, gotten all my layers down, and it was just so warm, and it's the, oh, uh, a nap would be good, but okay, lunch. But yeah, yeah that was just, just funny. Well, and so I stayed home. Yep. And um, and went to the cabin. You stayed at a hostel. I did. And went I went to the museum. And went to the museum. So, yes. I took a train ride from Zurich to Lausanne. That was just under two hours away. And then I had my first day, I went, I carried all my stuff to the museum, painted the whole day, and then lugged all my stuff to the youth hostel. Oh, wow. And I was very lucky. The museum staff was great. Normally, you have to empty out your lockers at the end of the day, but they I talked to the staff, and they knew I was going to be there the whole week, so I was able to leave you know, my easel and my stool and like the heavy nice. stuff. I was able to leave that in the museum, and then since I had a room, I was able to leave everything else, so I just had one small bag with my, my painting stuff that I was able to bring back and that's forth. Awesome. That's fantastic. But yeah. I, I've been wondering about this all week. What was... What was it like at the hostel? Like, were there a lot of other people around? Was it busy? Was it, it like it, with COVID stuff? I'm super I mean, curious. There, there were, you know, COVID restrictions. It's 
it wasn't terribly busy because um, I was really only around for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And I think I missed the the big waves because my daily rhythm was, you know, I got up around, my alarm went off at 8, hit snooze twice, get out of bed at 8.20, get ready, go to breakfast. So, I mean, I was out of the hostel by by 9, but, you know, 8.45, 9.15 for breakfast, it's kind of late. It's in between mm-hmm. times. So, I, I imagine there was a bigger rush before I got there. So you you had a private room, right? I had a private room. I had a private room. Okay. I splurged. I mean, I, I had my own room. I had my own shower stall just because I didn't want to deal with having to, you know, I was like, I'm going to be washing out my paint brushes and paint rags. I don't want to do that in the communal bathroom. And just having my own schedule was important to me. So I was like, screw it. I'll, I'll spend the extra 14 francs for my own private room, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that answers a lot of questions because I, you know, I was trying to imagine what it would be like to come back from a day of painting, like intense painting at a museum around a lot of people and come back to, in my mind, a hostel is like yep. thriving and hopping and there's conversation in all sorts of languages and, yeah. you know, what that would be like for your mental space after a day of painting. Yeah, that, that would have been disastrous, uh, yeah. I have to say. Um <laughs> Because in talking with my wife today, with talking with Adrienne, one thing I would do differently now is I really enjoyed Lausanne. It's a beautiful city. It was great to see how multicultural it was and to see how crowded and thriving and to be in another language or to be surrounded by another language is so fascinating, but it's exhausting. And that Mm -hmm. was almost too much for me. Because after I was done painting in the museum all day, I just, I didn't have it in me to order food. Yeah. And just that, okay, some people can speak English. I can speak a little bit of French. But both of that, both sides of that take so much energy. And then to sit in a restaurant where it's loud and to be surrounded by people is like, I'm just going to go to the grocery store and buy a pre-made sandwich with a label I can read and I can go through a self-checkout. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's incredibly antisocial and built off of language anxiety and social anxiety anyway, but after a day of painting and like day after day, mm-hmm. I just didn't have it in me. So it was like, oh, screw it. It's not like the sandwiches are bad. Yeah. I'll just buy a sandwich and go, go back to my room and decompress. And what is, you know, and what is the point of the retreat? Is it yeah. for art or is it for soaking in the culture? Exactly. And I would love to soak in the culture, but that wasn't really the goal. So if I was going yeah. to do this again, going someplace where I can pass in the language just as that would add an, an ease factor. So that like, yeah, I can go order a sandwich. I can go order a meal without mm-hmm. having to pull out a dictionary. That being said, I chose Lausanne because of the museum and because of I'd seen pictures of their exhibitions and the really old fashioned feel to us is like, okay, I wouldn't change that. I wouldn't go back and change anything. But next time what I would look for is certainly going someplace where I can go to a restaurant and order, order food without having to worry about language. Right. And, and I mean, the museum looked absolutely incredible and the variety of specimens and yes. architecture and Toby, it just looked absolutely fantastic. How did you choose where you were going to sit each day? That, so I, yeah, that that was a 
that was sometimes an issue. I think it was the fourth day there. This was the day that I painted the Ara, the parrot, the blue and yellow parrot. I had wandered around the museum for like half an hour. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I want to paint right now. Nothing is calling to me. And I think you could actually see that in the aura. Is like I, I sat down to do it because it was something to do. Yeah. But, you know, I had, I don't want to say a list in my head. It was just, there were things that I was interested in. It's like, I have been looking for a Blaumeis, a blue tit. So when I saw a nice specimen, it's like, okay, that's, I'm going to paint that at some point. The calf with two heads, I knew it was there. <laughs> that was going to get painted. That because that's just freaking cool. Um, that we act. I actually just saw in the kids' magazines a two-headed tortoise, and I was like, "Oh, that's something that Toby would totally sit down and draw." <laughs> totally would. Totally would. Um, but kind of having my normal list of subjects, it was a bit out of place. I felt mm-hmm. actually because so much of my work is about native animals to this area. And this was a very old fashioned museum. And so most of the specimens were exotic animals, you know, from far, far off exotic locations like North America or Madagascar. Mm -hmm. So it was figuring out what was actually interesting to me in a very different frame framework. Cause this wasn't something I can just go out and see moving around. So that was was kind of interesting to me. But really, it was looking for specimens that were in good condition, specimens that had an interesting pose. I'm just kind of walking around. I was like, ooh, that's cool. Eh, maybe. It was like the tortoise I painted at the end. I'd walked by it every day and thought, I was like, oh, that's cool. I was like, well, if you think about it every day, that's cool. Do it. Mm -hmm. But no, it was figuring out what was kind of calling to me, what was an interesting subject and... It's like, you know, after the aura, the parrot, that I kind of struggled with, okay, I, I need to find something that I'm comfortable with. I don't want to say comfort food. Yeah. But so I painted, you know, the, the bullfinches after that. I was like, okay, these are native birds in subdued lighting with warm, rich, natural colors. Or It's like, okay, this is more up my alley. This is something I know how to do and that I feel good doing. So that was... Yeah, comfort food afterwards. But no, it, it's, it's a really great... If anybody ever happens to find themselves in Lausanne, check out the, the Palais du Rom, Roman. Romain? Rumine? Rumine. They've got geology, history. I mean, I was in the top floor, which was the top of five floors. This wow. place is huge. Um, and I just... I didn't even go through... It's like, oh, wow, there's a whole section with dinosaur skeletons, and there are rocks over there and there's this whole exhibition about you know coins so it's cool stuff there was a lot to see there wow how far was it from the hostel as it was a youth hostel i ended up getting free transportation tickets which was great yeah um so to walk was about 45 minutes it was about 25 minutes with walking and the metro Hmm. which was a nice walk through a kind of natural area that hinterland between society and the highway that's just kind of, oh, there's a park and ride, there's a, some volleyball fields, but mostly it's just shrubs and, and such things. And then catch the metro and then through through downtown, loud and hectic. Wow. Yeah, it's a wow. little bit more of a commute than you had. Five minutes down yeah, to the cabin. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but so but- we definitely did have, you mentioned having different goals because I know my goal was 
really just, can I paint for five days? Yeah. That was an odd, kind of odd to look at it that way, but I had to remind myself that I've only been painting watercolors for two years now. It was November two years ago that I started painting watercolors or painting in watercolors. And usually only, you know, a day in the museum or bits and pieces here and there. So this was a test of endurance in a way. Mm-hmm. And just to see what would it be like to paint for five days straight? What happens? So it yeah. wasn't really a... I didn't have a set goal other than making it through and see what happens, which is kind of funny to say. But I mean, that is a huge goal. I mean, yeah. to paint for five days. That's, yeah. you know, to to, to, ch- to test your endurance like that. That yeah. is... That is huge. That feels to me like NaNoWriMo kind of endurance, yeah. you know, looking yeah. at that. Like, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, I still that's feel huge. my right shoulder. That's, that's good. <laughs> holding your arm up for five days straight. Yeah. But cause, but you had more specific goals with kind of diving into this idea, this story idea that you had. Yeah, I had I had very specific ideas in my head of what I wanted to do. Um, in conjunction with not to have a hard pace, not to have yep. a fast pace, um, just to kind of slow down and to be able to think through things as I was working um, with them, which is why really the mornings were kind of um, in my ideal work day, I would spend a couple hours doing the journaling and the reading yep. and the, the more enriching kind of work. Um, and then spend the same amount of time, if not more on creating new work. And so that's kind of how I modeled my days out at the cabin. I was doing longer journaling, lots of reading. um, And then after lunch, getting into quote unquote work, work. Um, The first day was as everybody, I mean, you all heard on the thing was typing up things and making connections in that way, which is a fascinating process because that prompt work, it was taking a prompt, a very random, one of them was like incorporate antelope and luggage and write for 10 minutes. You know, they're very kind of off the wall things and looking back to see the threads because yeah, I wrote them last month, but some of them I was like, oh, I forgot about this one. This is kind of interesting because it was something completely different that I would never have thought that I would have written. Um, And yet it's still familiar because there are still the same kind of themes, even within a 10-minute chunk of writing. So it was really cool to spend an afternoon sorting through all of them at once um, so that I didn't have a break to forget things. So that was really cool. And then, yeah, the next two days, um, I did start to dive into a story that I knew I was going to spend more time with. And um, and it turned out to be, you know, that prompt was a jumping off point. And I think having the space to just play and not feel rushed to be like, oh, I have an hour to do this, you yeah. know, this type of outlining, what can I fit in? To just have kind of an expansive time to really play. It's like, oh, what if, you know, I've always wanted to write a story with some magical realism in it. Like, Mm -hmm. what could I do with that? And I've always wanted to write a story that feels like it touches on different things in my life. Like, 
yarn. So what would happen if there was yarn and magical real? Like, I don't want to get into too much of the stuff, no. but you know, what would it feel like to write about things that make me happy instead of what I think I should be writing about? Yes. And differentiating the two there and having space to explore that was really, really kind of cool. You know, you talk about different things that you would do the next time around. This time very much felt like, and I think I mentioned it, I might have been in an audio diary that I scrapped because I don't know if we want to talk about this, but it was really challenging to just talk into the microphone (laughs) to decide on what to share about the day and whatnot and to try to keep it around five minutes. I had five minutes in my head for some reason, like try to keep it around that so it doesn't get too long. But it very much felt like I went to work Mm -hmm. and I came home and that I'm curious what it would feel like to not have that constriction, you know, for this point in time, this is what worked for me and for my family. And it was what was necessary to do. But I am curious to see what it feels like to be completely away, not to go anywhere during, not to have to go anywhere. I had to come home for bathroom breaks and that was kind of disjointing. What I will say is I had the dog with me from, the mornings. Okay. And it was really nice to have a reason to go for walks. Yes. Uh, Not necessarily back up to the house, but around the fields. And that was really, really nice and helpful. Okay. So what I could totally imagine, and I looked into it, and maybe (laughs) next time I'm going to find, or I would like to find um, an Airbnb that I could go to with the dog and just kind of hole up in a space, but have it be close to, you know, the ocean or something like yep. off season. I could see that being really, really lovely. Um, yeah. You know, and the dog was not a huge distraction at all. It was, she's just a reminder to like get up and stretch and yes. get up and go for a walk. And those are things that I need to be reminded of as I'm working, especially during a long period of time like that. It's funny you mentioned that because that was something that came up on our walk today. Zadrin and I were kind of talking through my last week. And that was, what would it be like to, you know, just have a house for a week? Set up mm-hmm. your own time, your own rhythm, your own schedule. And just to be getting lost in creativity that way. Yeah. To really the more traditional idea of a retreat is you are running away from the world in a way. It's just you and that piece of paper or those ideas in your head. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. Somebody commented on, um, on the post on Instagram saying, you know, Oh, I wish I could retreat from retreat from my life. And I wouldn't be like, that's really not what this is. Like it is, but it's also not like, I think people have in their minds assumption. We have, we all have in our minds assumptions of what a retreat would look like, or like, Oh, to look at the pictures of, what you and I posted and, and not understand like the full, the full picture of everything Mm -hmm. where, you know, for me, there were still emails, there were still texts, there was, there was life happening around the margins of it that, you know, I thought I could protect myself from, but I think unless you fully, fully retreat, there really isn't a way to do that. Um, You know, and I did a lot of prep work ahead of time to 
have as clear of a space for myself around the margins. Um, and it still wasn't, it wasn't as fruitful as I had hoped that it would be. And the only thing I can think of is really fully retreating and turning off the phone, except for that, like one emergency number that can get through to you, which, um, would be my husband in that, in that case. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, and then what, because I've done that with friends, like, um, my, my husband's family has a, has a condo still in Maine, but it's down the coast and, um, friends of mine and I have gone and taken a retreat for like crafting, or I brought a draft to work on at one point. And that was, that felt very different too, to have that community aspect to yeah. it. Um, again, to kind of force yourself to take breaks. Um, which, which is helpful, but yeah, I still don't know what, what it would really feel like to retreat fully for a couple days without having interaction. Like I'm picturing for you some place in the, in the mountains where you could, you know, places that you and Adrian have gone for vacation to go there by yourself and to just have your art, your tools and the space, like. I really wonder what that would be like. Take out public transportation and people walking around you. and Yeah. To have that, a different level of mm-hmm. chosen isolation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because that was something that was actually really interesting for me there is I felt an unchosen isolation through oh, language. Yeah. Because I, I remember at one point I was painting... This was during the the cow painting. And this young boy just came up to me really excited in really, really fast French. Mm. And it was like, this would have been such a cool interaction. I'm so sorry. I I got nothing. Mm. Je ne parle français. (laughs) And then his mother came over and was like, stupid lie, you know, désolé, anglais. She's like, oh, the monsieur parle anglais. And then they just walked away. Oh. I was like, I was hoping you could translate for us, lady. Right. Instead of instead of he doesn't speak French, you could say je parle un peu. <laughs> yeah. Help, please. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But that was also another interesting interaction. Was an, an elderly pair of people uh, came up and were talking and compl- complimenting. And mm-hmm. I was like, uh, you know, Deutsch, English, and she said, Lieber Deutsch. And then we had a conversation in German. It was so strange to not be able to speak one foreign language and then default yeah. to another foreign language. And yeah. but to be able to have that that conversation wow. was really interesting. So, I mean, you talk about language. So you've been and I, I ask you this every time and I cannot keep it straight because time is so weird. You've been in Switzerland for six years now? Five, five years. Five years. Five years now. So by this point is the Swiss German or German it's obviously not as tiring as French. Is it still a challenge to switch into it, like on your everyday life? It takes a moment. It does take yeah. energy, um, but it's not hard to do. Okay. It's kind of it's just a normal daily thing. Yeah. I noticed that you know when we talk, it's like oh yes, it is much easier to speak in English for me to think in English, but. German isn't bad. It does take that shifting of gears to get over there, but it's... 
after this week where French was so foreign, it was so mm-hmm. alien to me. It's like, I know enough to like have some idea what people are saying, unless it's a child speaking at, you know, yeah. light speed. Yeah. Because there's a cow with two heads. Why wouldn't you be excited? Exactly. <laughs> I, I was excited. Um, but to see how much closer German was to English mm-hmm. energy wise than it was to the French. Yeah. So you talk about, you know, finding some place where language is not a barrier. Would being some place that was mostly German, would it not be a barrier? So you're. No, that wouldn't be a barrier at yeah, this point. So yeah. I mean, I've got Germany, Switzerland, or the German speaking area, Switzerland, Austria, yeah. not an issue. It's like Vienna has a nice natural history museum. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's just fascinating to me that you know you've been there for five years and your brain has has done amazing things to be able to have that you know you say for language not to be an issue and I'm thinking like wow maybe he has to go to the UK like maybe you have to but no it's right in you know yeah. you have so many opportunities right there um, what an interesting thing to to have that kind of mirrored for you yeah. that you have really, I guess, assimilated, like assimilated to yeah. where you are. That's huge. It, it is. It is. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It is cool. And it's your anniversary. I mean, of, didn't you move in November? October? November 14th was my ionized uh, autumn. That's right. It was right before Finn's birthday. Yes. That's yes. right. Oh, yeah. So really. It's quite we are one week away from exactly one week away from five years as of this recording as of this recording Uh, yeah nice yeah congratulations thank you this sounds like a wrap-up question but it's not intended as one yeah but what were some of your big takeaways from not so much the organization of a retreat but just from the creative process inside of the retreat what are some of the things that you've learned or that you're taking forward with you to give myself more time than I think I need okay. um, to, to make space for that, um, that quiet contemplation because I'm at a point in life where I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I talked about potentially writing in the mornings. I've written in the mornings before. This is not a new concept. Um, what's new and different is we really don't have to leave the house for anything in the mornings. Most of our activities, if we have them, are in the afternoons. They're still on Zooms. My kids sleep in because, as I mentioned, they're teenagers. And part of homeschooling teenagers is giving them time for rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means that the mornings are quiet. And I don't have to be done by 7 o'clock in the morning, which is what I used to have to be able to do to protect that time. I used to have to get up really 5 o'clock in the morning in order to have quiet because the kids would be down by 7 o'clock and we'd have to get moving and breakfast and out the door. And now it's a matter of there is no rush. It's all in my head that there's a rush in the morning because there really isn't. So to um, my big takeaway was, first of all, that that's a possibility and I hadn't really realized that. Another big takeaway is, you know, really needing to protect 
protect my time and to find space where it feels easy to protect the time. Mm -hmm. That's why those mornings to me seem better because no one's knocking at the door. The kids aren't up. It's most of the people around, you know, on our, on our property are otherwise occupied during that time. Whereas between two and five, that's a much harder time to protect for a lot of reasons. And that's what I had been trying to do. Um, so maybe set myself up for success more than trying to do things where it's already hard. Like there are pockets of ease in the day, in the week. Um, and it's just a matter of actually using those pockets. Um, yeah, I think that that's really, really, really one of the biggest takeaways. There wasn't a whole lot of new revelations about process or anything like that, but just that idea to have enough space so that within that time you can rest. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean taking a nap, you know, between eight 30 and nine in the morning or something like that. I mean, like just being able to stare out the window and not feel rushed because you only have an hour, like maybe build in three hours in the morning. That's a possibility. Um, I don't know if that makes, that was kind of rambly. No, it makes total sense. What about you? What are you taking away from, from your experience? For me, one of the more interesting things was looking at the body of work as a body of work. Mm. Because normally when I paint, it's the, okay, I've maybe done two paintings in a day. And then a few weeks later, a month later, I do another, do one painting. And so everything I've learned is a farther back memory. Where here over this week, it's like, oh, wow, this is almost a response to what I did yesterday. Or a response to the last painting. And oh, that worked there, or I wanted to try that, I can do that now. So that was was really something interesting to observe in having a more continuous creative flow, mm-hmm. in a way, or more continuous creative space over a few days to see how, how the, the creative experience feeds off of itself and can respond to itself. And now that you can see that in the work, that was a really interesting observation. I'm not sure how to bring that even more into my my daily practice, my studio practice. I think other than making sure that I'm not just working on a project, that I'm actually creating and doing something fresh and new or working with ideas and not just I'm doing the next step in this woodcut, which is carving. I'm doing the next step in this project. It's actually bringing in that, okay, so I'm actually drawing every day, painting every day, building the, the, the sketchbook, building that regular creative output. That's working a very different part of my brain than just the more project-oriented part of carving, which has its own cre- creativity to it, but that's... That's a very different feel because that's, you don't see a result necessarily every day. Mm-hmm. You don't see a result to respond to. It's, oh, one more day of carving. I've got another five ahead of me. Woo. Yeah. Thinking about that, like the, the, the process of painting 
and that continual creativity, printmaking is very step-by-step oriented. So, I mean, you could, I'm assuming you could go for days without touching the art aspect of it. Like you could have a printing day and like, it's very segmented. It seems like, um, where the fluidity of what you did this week, that's really fascinating. The different, yeah. Do you, at, at any point were you like, I think I want to just go all in with painting, forget printmaking, or was no. it? <laughs> no. Um, I, I still definitely feel and consider myself a printmaker. Um, yeah. Paintings are really still, I don't want to say just sketches, but there is a different freedom and a different quickness and lightness to them. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain playfulness to it. And I like having the prints. I I really feel like I know what I'm doing. I still think very much in a printing way, mm-hmm. process-wise. Even sometimes while I'm painting, I'm thinking in layers. Mm-hmm. And it's like I'm looking forward to getting back to woodcuts. Nice. But also bringing some of that, that playfulness, some of that fresh energy, and some of that airiness of the paintings like how do i incorporate that into the prints themselves Mm. um be that like doing just smaller lino cuts that are quicker and lighter or how do i play more with inking so that i'm getting these light washes of color without getting so mired in these crazy details that i love so much how can i marry those back and forth so it's really the printmaking informs the painting and the painting informs the printmaking. So that's really lovely. It's some kind of, it, it's very poetic. Yeah. I thank you. I think so too. But yeah, it's, they would each feel empty without the other for me at this point, which is crazy considering I've only been painting f- for two years now. Yeah. It was really last November was my first watercolor painting or not last two Novembers ago, November 30th. How interesting, because that's kind of similar to your language. Now, the German kind of, that kind of, that's kind of a similar. Yeah. To hear you talk about those two things just within this episode, that sounds kind of similar. It does. It does. It's an an interesting symbiosis. Yes. Mm -hmm. What did you take with you? What did I take with me? Um. Everything or more art specific wise. Art specific, like what did you take to support yourself? So on what did this I take ju- on this journey. On my journey, so I brought my 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 field bag, which you know has I had a a gummed block of watercolor paper. Um, so that's just watercolor paper that's glued around the edges, so it doesn't buckle, and then you mm-hmm. cut off the top layer when you're done, and you reveal the next one. Um, I brought. Um, a watercolor sketchbook, a toned watercolor sketchbook, uh, a sketchbook that's uh, just normal paper, uh, freshly filled watercolor pans. I brought my field sketching little thumb easel that I had made for hiking, and I didn't use it at all. I wasn't sure what I would be doing evenings, or just figured mm-hmm. bring that as an option. Uh, it was it was extra training weight to carry around. We can look at it that way. Um, I had my my homemade sketch easel mounts to a tripod, so a tripod, stool, 
Uh, the folding foam pad, which is always important to sit on even for the stool. Um, anybody who's, who's out there, even if you're an author and likes doing things outside, cut a, cut a foam pad to the size of your notebook and always carry it around with so you always have a soft, warm, dry place to sit. Here's my <laughs> recommendation for you. It's a good um, idea. Mine is double folded so that it folds to the size of the sketchbooks. Ooh. And it folds out to double as wide so that it's a little easier. Um, I brought my e-reader. I brought my thermos for bringing tea with me in the afternoons. I was able to make up tea at the hostel and bring that with. That's always important for me is my tea. Mm-hmm. So it's my drug of choice, tea. Yeah, and I, my phone and my headphones. That's was really it. That's really it. It was pretty minimal. Oh, brought the audio, audio recorder. Yeah. But no, I, okay. I left the computer at home. Um, yeah, that, that, that was everything. And you used just about everything except for the the, the mini easel. Yes, yes, the nice. fun easel. I, I really used everything except for the watercolor sketchbook. Mm. I used the tone sketchbook one day for the line skeleton, but the rest of the times so I just was enjoying the lar- the slightly larger format of. The, the toned block. And that is one thing that I that came up two or three times. I was like, oh man, I really wish I had a setup for larger paper. Mm-hmm. So I might look into, because you can get larger gummed blocks, and I might look into figuring out to making a larger um, a larger uh, hand motions. <laughs> a larger oh, easel? Oh, oh, yeah, a larger, a larger easel to pop onto the tripod. So as a larger piece of wood to to hold that a bigger block on, because to do something really small and detailed like the uh, the bird in the jar or the aura, the details were just so tiny that I couldn't actually work that small mm-hmm. with watercolor and as fluid as it was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have that larger, to be able to blow things up, to have a little more room to play, would actually almost make it faster. Yeah. Yeah, that was an interesting sketch. Like that was an interesting specimen to sit down and, like, when I saw the picture of on Instagram of you sitting in front of like the jars, like it does not surprise me whatsoever that you decided to plant yourself there and use that as inspiration. Um, But how? So was that really the first time that you did, like, the insides of an animal via watercolor? Yeah, it was. It was the because I mean it's. I don't do dissections at home. I mean, I have <laughs> I have skeletons. I have bones, yeah. but to really look at a specimen, a, a dissected specimen in a jar, it's mm-hmm. after you get past that moment of like, Ugh, it's like, oh, that's really fascinating. That's mm-hmm. that's that part and. Oh, they removed that bone so you could see this. So that's not the lower jaw. That's the tongue. Oh, and that's connected to that, and that's there. So I learned a lot about avian anatomy. Yeah. But painting it on that such a small scale was also... This was closer to a landscape than it was to painting a bird for me. There was just kind of so much going on. It's like, how do I find yeah. the simplified forms to, okay, that's a dark area. I can put detail in later. If I put the detail in now, it's just a scattered mess. If I squint my eyes at it, that's all three-quarter tone gray. Great. Okay. Mm-hmm. There, put details in over. Is that something that you would 
you would want to do more of maybe on a larger scale is that to, because you, you talked about, I think you talked about knowing what's underneath to be able to, to draw the outside anatomy. Is that something that you would dive into more if you had more dissected I don't even know the terminology. Like, oh, just a specimen in a jar. Yeah, specimens dissected in front of you. Would you choose to do that again? I would. Maybe not. I would choose to do that again on a more project-oriented basis. Okay. So, if I was doing an art project or something where I really needed to understand the anatomy of mm. a Schwarzschwert, a black woodpecker, or something, maybe then. Mm-hmm. But for the for drawing an animal, it's really more the skeletal and the musculature that are really helpful. And this the specimen I drew was really more about the innards. Mm-hmm. So like the spleen doesn't do much for me as an artist on the outside. Where the yeah. spleen is doesn't matter. But in the cabinet over there was a a specimen of a chest bone and arm of a bird that had threads of where the muscles go. And to see is like, oh, both the muscles that pull the wing down and the muscle that pull the wing up are connected on the front of the bird. They're both along the chest bone, but the muscle that pulls the wing up is inside and loops over the wing. Mm. Oh. Mm. So it's that type of anatomy really does help. That's not really... Specimen in a jar, that's more more skeletal. But it was really fascinating to understand more of what was going on and to see that. And also, kind of just to sit and be comfortable with the gore of it, in a way. This is, I mean, to study the anatomy of a creature is kind of messy. Mm-hmm. But to understand that and... For me, in a way, to honor that is like, this bird died for science. I mean, people have, have come and look at this to understand what's going on inside of a bird. Mm-hmm. It's kind of gruesome, but it's also kind of beautiful yeah. in its own odd way. Could so be a it's, metaphor. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's, or there is a metaphor, but to kind of honor mm-hmm. this as not a piece of beauty, not as a sculpture, more of a, of a monument to... Yeah. This dead crow that is now in this jar mm-hmm. that had, had lived its best life, hopefully, and maybe it's helped other people connect with animals in some way and to know more about them. Or, hey, maybe a veterinarian studied this at some point and helped save another bird's life. I don't know. I'm making up stories. But yeah, really, for me, it was less about this gruesome curiosity and more about really monumentalizing this specimen in an odd way. These were some of the odd things that I was thinking about with how I put it on the page, like like mm-hmm. a monument, like a monolith, and like making sure that the label was accurate and correct. And like this is, there's an honor to this yeah. in a really weird way, a really weird way. Well, that could be said for really for anything that um, an artist or anyone who an artist, a writer, anybody who creates something about something else. It is paying attention to give that honor of, I see this. Yeah. This is important to me in some way. 
you know, and maybe it could be important to you too. Um, yeah, to, to share that because how many more people have now seen that because you are commemorating or memorializing that specimen in a new way through a new lens and then sharing it. That's what art's all about. Yeah. It was, it was really fun connecting with all the different, the different animals, all the different specimens and Mm -hmm. different ways. Nice. But I mean, not that I'm looking for spoilers on the story that is coming together and being birthed, but how was that energy for you taking these ideas and getting them onto paper, getting them mm-hmm. out and getting them assembled, so to speak, or maybe not assembled, but getting the pieces all all in the same place? Yeah, it was. Um, it was really fun. Yeah, it was. It's exhausting trying to create something out of nothing, like pulling things out of thin air um, is what happens at this point when you're at the very beginning of a story. It felt good. And I've done it before. And it was, I felt more freedom with this one for some reason than others. You know, I had my outlining book. I looked through the prompts um, for the outlining book that Mm -hmm. before I... I found a lot of help in, they, they didn't really help. You know, I don't need to write a two line summary of, you know, a two line, a log line of what the story is about. I know that that's going to come in time. That's not helpful for me right now. Um, what's helpful is figuring out what each character wants and what each character needs and, you know, I have a stronger understanding of story now than I did a couple of years ago. And seeing how that plays into my note taking um, was really kind of neat. And it felt like a lot of growth. You know, it felt like, okay, I kind of know what I'm doing more now than I did before. And I'm going to trust that. And I'm going to trust that I know how to, how to create a story and what makes a good story. Um, so... Yeah, it felt light and playful, and that's more of what I want in my life. So why not include that in my writing life, you know? So it doesn't have to be – I mean, obviously, there's going to be a lot of work involved in birthing a new story. Um, And I'm still not sure about the draft that I wrote in the spring. You know, what does it mean to let that go for now and to start on something that's shiny and new? Is it – because it's shiny and new that I want to write this story or is it because that story, like it's really not for right now and now's the time for something different. Yeah. You know, I still have that kind of narrative playing in my head. And for right now, I'm just going with what feels good yeah. to write. And this story feels good to write and play with and whatever it takes to get me to the page. I think I have to trust that right now, which again, it, it felt listening to listening to our audio diaries, and I don't think it was intended this way, but listening, it felt like your time was much more product-based. You wanted to have a certain amount of drawings, you know, or paintings. And I think for the first time in a long time, like, I'm just not at that. I want to have such and such amount done at such and such a time, like, that just doesn't serve me right now. Yeah. And, um and that definitely played into mindsets going into into the retreat. 
yeah, so it felt, it felt really good. Like that part of it did feel good. And I was reminded that you can only work for so long without getting tired without, yes. and maybe that tired, that fatigue does mean that you need to rest instead of push through because you can tell, or I can tell when I've pushed too hard, like the things just start or they stop making sense. Like yeah. I start getting frustrated and I think that happened at one point. It was like, I don't need to be frustrated right now. This is not a time for frustration. (laughs) Check yourself and kind of reframe and move forward. So, but there was space to do that. And I think that takes a lot of energy. Um, We've talked about that in other episodes, you know, the energy of needing to create solitude when there isn't any, Um, needing to be loud when you don't have it in you, all of those things. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how long I remember the lessons I learned last week. Mm. Yep. <laughs> that, that is a very good way of putting it. <laughs> because sometimes, you know, you have these revelations after, after you spend a lot of time on something or you, you go away with friends you go and you do this amazing thing, this vacation that, you know, Oh, I want to remember how I felt then. And then you start moving forward with your daily life and, and you forget because life. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm curious to see yeah. what is your week this, this coming week post retreat look like? Um, I'm not really sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know there are a lot of beals to still be sorted. Mm-hmm. Um, I know before I left on the retreat, I was really considering just setting up a schedule, like, you know, Thursdays, Fridays, or Beatle days, or, mm-hmm. or whatever, so that that stays contained and doesn't bleed over. Yeah. And so that I do protect my own creative time, because splitting between, I found, hasn't really worked for me. I haven't found a good way of doing that, because mm-hmm. once I start sorting Beatles, my side job to anybody just tuning in. I help out my wife. Once I start doing that, I'm in that mindset and I start, it's like, well, I can just do another sample. I know I have so many to get done. Mm-hmm. And when I get into a flow, when you do get into a flow, it's hard for me to leave Beatles space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, so if I really set it up that, no, it's fine. I don't need to do more than two days a week. Maybe we'll see set that up so that I have time for for my woodcuts, for my carving, for, for painting. Yeah. Um, so I think that's entering my mind. But yeah, getting, I, I need to, uh, Adrian pointed out that I still don't have a few things, a uh, few products that are in the shop that are not on the website. So I should, should fix that coming into the holiday mm. season. The Bumblebee t-shirts, for example, those don't exist in the web shop. People are looking for them. Um, yeah, getting back into the studio. Yeah, it's, I think just trying to hang on to some of those glimmers of light of that, that joy, the joy of painting. Thank you, Bob. Um, (laughs) I liked your reference to happy little trees. (laughs) Yeah, it's, that was something that came up on the walk too, is I kind of enjoy Instagram 
because I don't think too much about it. And in not mm-hmm. thinking too much about what I'm writing, it tends mm-hmm. to be interesting to look back on what I've written as a window into my brain. Yeah. I'd been stuck inside for a whole week. So seeing this tortoise stuck inside of a case, it's been stuck in that case for yeah. decades. It was like, this tortoise just needs some sunshine and some happy trees. I'm going to pull out the... <laughs> Gonna make give it a nice sky in the background. Gonna add blue to the shadows for the reflected light, so it looks like it's more outside. I'm gonna put some trees in the background. Give it a beach. This tortoise is going back to Madagascar. Damn it! Because mm-hmm. we all need happy little trees. We do. You actually reminded me of something I wanted to bring up. You have never used Instagram as much as you did in the last week. This is true. And I did the opposite. Yep. Um, I mean, I haven't been as as um, present on Instagram the last couple months as I have been over the years. But I thought that was so interesting where you went on a retreat and you posted multiple times a day on Instagram. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed the journey, but I, I was like, wow, I wonder if he's really starved for connection. Just wanting to like reach out to the world. <laughs> it was, it was kind of fascinating to look at from afar to see, to see that happen. Yeah. It's it was kind of fascinating just knowing because it's actually really funny because we mentioned this our re- idea for a retreat in one of our podcast recordings and that segment got edited out. Oh, oh. so it's like we've both <laughs> been working on this assumption. It's like yeah, our, our listeners know all about this yeah. idea, and yeah. they really don't have that much. We've hinted at it through a few posts. Yeah, but part of it was actually connecting with the museum Mm. because I had let the museum staff know I was like, Hey, I'm going to be painting here and making sure that their communication staff knew what was going on, that I was there. That was interesting. But for me, it was also taking pictures and posting occasionally is part of a break. It's standing up and moving away from the painting. It's thinking about something different. Well, still staying connected to it in a way because you're posting it and talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, Instagram is interesting for me. It's not so much essential. But, yeah, it was it was interesting to be posting so much. Mm-hmm. Then it's kind of done and gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's not something you're going to keep up? Not at that frequency, no. Certainly yeah. not. I have really no, no interest in that. It's, I mean, I had seen or heard some things. There was, like, one woodcarver that, actually streamed his carving on Twitch. So he's mm-hmm. sitting there carving this wood block and camera cam- is asking for it. It's like, oh, that's interesting. I have no desire to do that. But that's yeah. interesting Yeah. to see how different people connect that way. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. I was, I was thrilled to see all of the photos, you know, to see because I did, I say I wasn't super active. Um, I used Instagram as breaks too, I just didn't post. I was, yep. you know, scrolling through, um, and and it was always fun to see what you were up to. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Although I think I did post a picture of the dog. Yes, there there has it's... been an increase in dog pics on your account. I, I do have Sorry. to say. Sorry, <laughs> Darcy's a that's, cutie. That's what happens when you get a dog. All of a sudden, you become obsessed with pictures of the dog. Um, yes, because she's just adorable. And like I said before, a really good writing companion. Like that was part of the reason why I wanted a dog because in my head, I'm like, it would just be nice to have 
somebody sitting by your feet and then exactly what happened, a reminder to like the dog needs to go out for a walk. So you have to move your body and yep. you have to, yeah, to get outside. So it was all part of the plan. Cool. So yeah. as we're wrapping this up, this is a wrap up question. Now I'll be, be open okay. about that. If you know, this is very much aimed at self-organized retreats, because mm-hmm. that's what we did. What advice would you give or what what would you what would you give forward to someone considering doing something like this? It's a good question. I would say go for it and also leave your house. <laughs> Definitely leave your house if you can. Um and don't have interaction with the people around you. <laughs> um, no, I think really just be open to what happens. You know, create space for yourself and be open to things maybe not going the way that you planned them to. Like, just be open to wherever those creative paths take you because that's kind of like find some joy in it, like leave a lot of space for joy and follow that joy and interest. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you have a set goal, that's awesome, but don't discount the goal itself of just following what brings you joy in your creative life. I think that's what I would say. How about you? I would say manage expectations. And I mean Mm. that in, if you're going somewhere, don't expect to do much else. Mm-hmm. It's like, for me, I was like, oh, maybe I'll go to the art museum while I'm there. Didn't happen. You know, maybe I'll walk around the city some more, find a good restaurant. Yeah, didn't happen. I was just so wiped from creating and from painting in a good way. Yeah. But as you said, give space for that. So if... To someone is planning on doing this and is going in expecting to do other things as well, I might temper those expectations and just be ready to, I mean, if you're going on a writing retreat, be ready to just write mm-hmm. and take joy in just writing. Don't fret about, I didn't go see that play. I didn't interact with this city. I didn't discover something nice hidden corners like that wasn't the goal right if that's your goal go on vacation yeah yeah but absolutely or i know go on a month-long retreat yeah. right that you can do that more but. <laughs> yeah but i think for me that was i wasn't disappointed but i was surprised at how much mental space this took mm-hmm and so I would give that further as manage your expectations. That that sounds kind of grim when I say it that way, but if you're heading in to do, do a retreat like this, be prepared for it to be all-consuming. Yeah. And look forward to that all con- that all consumption. Yeah. Yeah, and I would even add like make space for that. Yeah. Because there really is a beauty in that in that all consumingness. And I mean, for me, I think I missed that. Like I was kind of longing for more of that and did not have that happen. Um, And so I appreciate your, your experience and sharing with that and what that was like and how still even having that 
there were other expectations at play too that yeah. you came up against. It's that's really helpful. I'm I'm glad that that, that was helpful for you and hopefully to, to someone else out there. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, should we do this again next year? I think we should do. Yeah. <laughs> Why the hell not? I I dig it. <laughs> Make it an annual thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah see I've, how it shifts. Yeah. See see what else has see what we do differently and see what changes in that. Yeah. I know when Adrian and I were talking, it's like, well, you know, get a cabin somewhere or what would be different to do like an organized retreat? Whereas like, mm. you know, there are a whole bunch of artists or a whole bunch of writers and we're all writing, but then hanging out for dinner afterwards, that would be so different. Or mm-hmm. how is that different from like a week long course workshop somewhere where you're really, it's really about gaining new skills yeah, and not just pushing oneself. How would that be different? Mm. No, I would be, I, we're booked. Let's do this again next year in some way, shape or form. Yeah, absolutely. Next November, first Woo. week of November, keep it open and I am going to make it happen. Okay. So we're not going to uh, get into NaNoWriMo? Is that a conflict? No. I don't know. I have. It's funny. This year was the first year that I was like, I have zero desire to participate in that whatsoever. Interesting. It's just, yeah, it's not something that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe next year it would, yeah, but, but that could also be really helpful. Yeah, but if I were to do a retreat, yeah. Listening to your audio diaries, it's you talked about. Hey, I had these ideas. I got them all out. Got them organized, and I'm ready to dive into it. So it's almost like yeah. it was a comp accomplishing something in the same direction. So that, that was interesting for me to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I, you know, I am in general a very task-oriented person. I like to check things off the boxes. Check boxes off the list. That's whatever. The check things is. off the boxes. I, I got it. <laughs> check off boxes. And so even when I've, like, I felt like there was a lot of room and a lot of, like, Oh, I don't have a whole lot of expectations. There were still things, of course, that um, there were still goals that I was able to meet. Um, I just didn't have them as hard and fast goals. Like, yeah. I'd like to get to it. If I do, great. If not, that's okay, too. Yeah. Um, and and it, it was nice to, to be able to get um, some things done and put in place that, you know, tomorrow being Monday, I'm, yeah, I'm excited to jump in. Nice. I'm excited to see what comes of it. Thank you for listening in to our thoughts and conversations. Now, we'd love to hear from you. We're putting together a listener's questions episode, and we'd love for you to share your questions about creativity and our individual practices. We'd also love to hear about your stories, both the victories and the struggles with your own creative process. Send it over to our email address, info at inkfromtheembers.com, or DM us on Instagram, Ink from the Embers, with all the spaces being underscores. We look forward to bringing your voices into the podcast. Feel free to subscribe with your preferred podcast platform. You can connect with us using Instagram and Twitter, and find out more information on us at our website. All links are shared in the show notes. All content, including music, audio, and rambling, is created by us, Corinne and Toby at ink from the embers.